All right. This is Nick Verity here with the Operations Mastery Podcast. I'm here with the CISO of String and Key and the COO of Wish, both really interesting companies in the product, tech, and insurance space. Um, his name is John Saltarelli, and we're excited to have him on. Hey, Nick. Awesome. Um, so, hey, why don't you explain to us? I know that you guys made a critical pivot at, at some point, but why don't you take me back to where you started at this company, what you guys were providing, and how it's scaled over the years. Sure, sure. So um, way back when we were a company called Ad60 or AD60. Um, and basically it was started by, uh, you know, a team that wanted to build products uh, for founders, you know, people that were trying to go off the ground, didn't have the technology and the resources to do it. Um, and we would basically come in and act as their agency that would build these in-market products, but also help them with the marketing strategy, et cetera. So um, we focused specifically on the fintech space. That was kind of our bread and butter. It was really, really successful over there. We built products like Stash uh, initially, and uh, we essentially built the foundation for a lot of these types of products and then handed it off to the founder to kind of take it the rest of the way and build a team around it. Um, so typically engagements were uh, about, I would say, six to eight months at a time is really where we were involved, and then we'd hand it off. Fast forward to today, essentially what happened was we... Uh, decided we wanted to basically build some products for ourselves. We found a great partner uh, to kind of work with on that um, and became essentially transitioned into becoming a wholly owned subsidiary of Northwestern Mutual, which is one of the largest life insurance companies in the country. Um, and, you know, where we went with that was we wanted to build a product um, and focus on financial protection. And part of doing that process, we identified that we still wanted to operate as an agency, but we still needed to be an insurance company. Um, so we ended up kind of setting it up in a way where uh, AD60 or AD60 became string and key. And then um, we built up this other company called Wish Life and Health Insurance, which is essentially an insurance carrier that uh, sells term life uh, insurance policies. Um, but as string and key, we did the entire technical build, the foundation, the marketing, the design, uh, set up all the teams, essentially built the entire uh, product and platform from the ground up. And as part of doing that, we had to transition from this client-based mindset to building products for ourselves. Um, so that's that's basically the, the shift we had to make. And along the way, we had to learn a ton of different things about uh, work management, how to analyze that data that comes internally from us, not just externally, and optimize our team because, uh, you know, Stream Key is about a 60-person company. And to build an entire insurance carrier and products and then have a digital experience wrapped around that that's direct to consumer, it's a lot for a team that size. <laughs> so... And so usually companies pivot because they're not doing well. Was that like, why did you guys go away from string and key if it had some successful fintech launches and a lot of product builds? Mm -hmm. Sure. So um, our CEO, Alex, uh, he'd probably be the best person to answer that fully. But um, I can tell you from my experience in the company, I've been to kind of about seven years uh, at 66 before me. Um, but as part of the transition, I think it was mostly focused around um essentially being able to do something at scale you know mm -hmm. uh, and we really we knew that from our fintech experience mm -hmm. that financial protection is a really important part of you know anybody you know anyone has a life insurance policy um you know they want to protect their loved ones when they're gone right you know protecting that mortgage protecting that credit card debt things like that um even things where it's like hey i want to I'll pay for that person's wedding, you know, if I'm not here, um, you know, for my daughter, um, all those elements, you know, we saw that becoming a big thing in the industry. And we were like, mm -hmm. well, you know, there's a synergy with that. There's a synergy with, um, you know, we, we had known uh, a little bit about Northwestern Mutual um, and had, you know, uh, done some discussions with them about this. And we just realized it was an ideal time to partner. 
And, uh, you know, the agency business was successful. We could have definitely kept it going, but we were like, hey, instead of doing every six to eight months, now we have something we could spend years on and we can make it, you know, as best as we can and, you know, leverage all the things we learned from years of building products and watching them grow. Yeah. And so at the time of that pivot, when stringing keys, you know, only client was going to be Wish, the team Mm -hmm. size was around 60. Did you have to like lay off people and hire new people? Or you no, just, so it actually it actually everyone. was much smaller. We're we're about sixty today, but it actually started about twenty. Oh um, wow! So, so it's grown a lot. Yeah, we were tiny. Yeah, we've grown a lot. Um, basically, we had essentially a team that was a mixture of engineers. You know, we had some project management. Um, we had designers on staff. Uh, definitely people that were excellent and skilled in marketing. You know, we were an agency um, that built products, so we had a lot of the pieces we needed, but we they weren't scaled enough. You know, mm-hmm. we needed to go bigger, especially on. Uh, you know, when you become an insurance company, you have to do things like compliance review and you have to work with regulations and you have to do all these different elements um, to make sure your product can, you know, be sold and, you know, protect the consumer as best as possible. So those, that's basically how we scaled as we went from that 20 person team uh, essentially scaled. I think in our first year, we got to about 35 people roughly launched our first product um, in market, which was, uh, you know, essentially wish the, you know, the marketplace we call it for our term life product, and then kept going from there and introduced products such as uh, we have an accidental death product now, uh, which is another form of, of term life, basically. Um, and then we actually just opened a savings account uh, product called Savings Plus, uh, leveraging that fintech experience now where you get uh, essentially up to $10,000 in coverage uh, for just keeping money in your savings account with no underwriting. So, um, so that's basically how we've, we've gotten to here. And along the way, we've had to grow the team and figure out all those operational quirks. So, so, um, I have a little experience in, in tech was one of our biggest clients. And also, obviously I have term life insurance. And so typically you do it through an agent and they get yep. you insurance, whether it's Northwestern mutual or whoever, how have mm. you guys created a product around that where mm. it, it's more automated, it's more self-service D to C. Like how how have you been able to scale that and serve all these customers mm-hmm. who have all this nuance? Sure, sure. So being direct to consumer, you're right. We don't we don't have agents directly working with people to sell them a product, right? Um, Northwestern Mutual does that today and has an amazing offering for for customers that, that have that kind of need. Um, in our case, the way that we sell the product being through our digital marketplace, which is available on iOS, Android, and web. Um, you know, is essentially we try to get the customer to a policy as fast as possible. So mm-hmm. underwriting is very simple. Um, we automate as much of that process as possible. Um, you know, we try to use and leverage third-party sources that we can to, you know, fill in the blanks of that application and get you through the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially do automate underwriting. So it's instant approval, basically, as you're going through that process. So you could essentially sign up and have a life insurance policy in like less than 15 minutes, and they start at nine bucks a month. So it's a really streamlined kind of experience. Um, and the way that we've done that, that's kind of our spin on it, is this wish concept. So we introduced the ability for people to lay out up front what their wishes are and then start essentially adjusting their coverage to fit those wishes. And that can scale over time. So your policy is an adjustable policy in the sense that you can change your coverage at any point in time. Um, that coverage can go up or down as you go through your life and things change. You know, maybe you need to cover your kids going through college and then, you know, you get old enough where that's no longer a thing. They're through college now and you want to kind of lower that coverage. So um, so all of that's built into our platform. So we took a really kind of tech approach and focused on this financial protection concept and, and then doubled down on this, this wish piece. Um, and people can create and manage those wishes how they want. I mean, fully automated underwriting is pretty remarkable. I imagine mm-hmm. that that's very difficult and there's a lot of compliance 
that you have had to work through in that I'm sure that was a tough problem to solve. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely, and it's an ongoing thing too. You know, we, we right. want to make sure that the underwriting that we're providing is essentially as streamlined as possible, but is also making sure we're protecting the people um, that, that are, are truthful in that application, you know, that, that go through that process and get insurance because um, you know, insurance is, it's a, it's a group thing, right? You know, you're uh, it's a, it's a thing for the masses. So it's, it's not a case where, you're just insuring one person, you're insuring thousands of people, you know, and you got to watch things like fraud and bias and all these other elements in there. Um, so we take that really seriously and we watch it very closely. Um, and especially this cybersecurity part of it, you know, that's definitely uh, those main elements there we try to focus on. And so like, um, I won't get too deep into pulling back the layer on that, but how you do those automated verifications, like, do you pull in tools from the government and um, I don't know, other identity validation things and you've kind of integrated all these tools together as part of the automation. Yeah. yeah. So the, to be honest, if we were to talk about, it, I could keep you here for hours um, sure, because sure. it gets complex, but, but yeah, it's definitely using those third-party sources, which we disclose up front. You know, we don't uh, go into anything unless the, the consumer knows about it. And um, you know, we use those sources to uh, essentially complete that application and go through that underwriting, but it's never a case where, um, how can I put it? Like, like we're not using AI tools or things like that. We're not shipping your data off to a, a third party that could lose it, you know, and, and do things like that. We're, we're really focused on making sure that the underwriting process is as close to what the typical underwriting process would be at any insurance company. Um, and by doing this process, we've essentially just tried to automate uh, how they review those applications, you know, yeah. um, and, you know, as if they were a person. And we also have a fallback. We have manual underwriting as well that we perform um, on those applications. Well, if our automated can't process it for some reason, you know, um, there's definitely thresholds there for everything. So. 100%. And so uh, walk me through what else is like, was really challenging from an operational standpoint that you had to overcome in order to get to the scale you're at today, like something maybe you're proud of that your team worked on or something mm -hmm. you know, big and hairy as, as a problem gets. Yeah. Sure, sure. So I have a few. So what one is, is that, you know, internally, uh, which is really where I focus a lot of my time these days is making sure that we operate as efficiently as possible, especially as the team grows, um, you know, that concept of like the scale starts starts catching up with you of like, hey, if you're not organized, it's okay not be organized with one or two people, but when you have 10 people, it, it compounds the, the effect of it, right? Um, so we were using early on things like Jira and Trello and Confluence and trying to document everything and, you know, using cards and, and that worked. It worked to a limit, but we kind of got to this point where our business was so unique how we worked internally that we were like, look, we need a better solution. And um, that's where automation kind of came into play with Make. Uh, so we started using Make very heavily and integrating that, you know, doing our workflow design and figuring out where those gaps are. Um, sometimes even just to connect us two systems together that, that weren't connected, you know, like connecting, for example, Zendesk to Google Analytics um, or, you know, things like that. So we focused on, you know, using Make on that piece. And then another big one was Notion because we found that we were, we're a kind of company because we have a small team, we like to use third-party vendors to do certain tasks, right? Um, you know, use a vendor for what they're good at. For example, we wouldn't build our own in-house customer service solution, we would use Zendesk because they're the experts in that field and, and, and the ones that we know, you know, are basically the industry standard. So uh, to do that though, as we were kind of going through that, we realized we were having so many tools that the cost and the subscriptions was all just getting out of hand. And one of the things that turned us on about Notion was being able to build a lot of those tools from the ground up mm -hmm. at our, you know, and customize them. And we found this need for customization very quickly when 
for example, we had to do things like review vendors, right? Like we have to do a security review, a compliance review, all these different pieces. And, you know, buying a vendor management tool off the shelf might cost 50 grand. You can build one in Notion. They have databases. They have ways to build interfaces to work with that data. And if you learn the system well enough, you could basically build your own, you know, kind of simple version of that and keep track of your vendors and have it integrate your team's work. And, you know, everything's interconnected. And, you know, you didn't even have to go and connect two different systems here. You just keep it all in one system. Mm -hmm. And that's that was really kind of a big turning point for us was adopting Notion, um, getting away from jumping from tool to tool, um, and then focusing on, shifting, you know, building a lot of things internally that suit our needs. And today we have about 30 or 40 internal tools that we built in Notion as like almost like templates, if you will, um, that do various things. Sometimes they're vendor management. Sometimes it's managing food orders for an office. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, keeping track of um, what groups people should be in based on their job role, even just having a company directory that's available, um, you know, our roadmap, you know, having a company roadmap centralized, being able to track and pitch work, you know, because we work, we try to work as agile as possible, uh, do sprints and things like that. So, you know, we come from a development background, engineering background. Uh, so using this tool to do a lot of that and then combining it with something like Make, that's pretty much become the de facto standard for how we work internally with those two tools is, uh, you know, everything else went away for the most part. Wow. So. And, and you guys just self-taught and implemented all these things is like make.com can, can be a little frustrating mm -hmm. to work with sometimes as it, as things break. And then um, mm -hmm. project management tools, getting everyone to actually use it. Like you yep. have all these places in notion that are valuable. Like how, how do you like get people fully adopted and then the, you know, these mm -hmm. things working well. So, so it's hard. Um, it's definitely hard. <laughs> the, uh, I would say that, you know, one of the mistakes I've seen people that try to adopt process, especially at a company of our size make is that they try to get a hundred percent adoption. Yeah. And what you almost have to do is accept that you're never going to get a hundred percent. You're going to get 80 at best. Most of the time it'll be 60, you know, if, if you're lucky. Um, and, you know, if you have that kind of mindset and you accept that things aren't going to be perfect, you can kind of design around that, you know? Mm -hmm. So for example, um, you might take a case where you want everyone to document their work, right? And it's like, well, you might have this huge template they have to fill out. You can set the standard as they, that template has to be filled out a hundred percent every time. And it takes someone 10 minutes to do every task that they put in there. Um, or you can set the standard of, hey, just at least have a representation of the work, right? Write it in your own words. If you can get to a template, great, but just start with, you know, just get the basics, make it so that someone can look at this thing and know what it is. And if you take that kind of softer approach, we've seen that adoption has been a lot easier. Um, it gets people to transition. People start uh, identifying like, hey, you know, I, I'm writing my work down. I want to be able to see it this way. And we say, well, if you fill this field out, you'll get it that way. And that's when it starts compounding. And um, that's how we've really gotten a really good adoption internally uh, of all of our stuff. I think we're, we're definitely, I would say, above 80% for sure right now in terms of how people document things. Um, but but that is a downfall, a, a slippery slope of, you know, going too far into the operations and automation piece. But you almost have to kind of sit at a level that's, uh, you know, you balance the best of both worlds, you know. And it's like, hey, just get people using it and putting their information into it because um, a little bit of data is better than zero data, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, so that was a big learning for us and, and something we kind of tried to implement wholesale. 100%. Well, I found that we have a huge ops org. That's a huge mm -hmm. component of our business where when you focus on your own business, like everything grows much smoothly. And then people are like, uh, you know, they don't like change in the beginning, but then once a tool really starts firing off and you know, you've automated the most of the busy work they've done, 
they they like love you for it and now they can't yeah. live without notion like you guys probably mm-hmm. cannot live without it there's absolutely oh yeah it's corridor business yeah yeah you can't operate without it <laughs> yeah, there's been times where notion's gone down and people are like well, what do i do now you know like because <laughs> yeah. we have this concept of like if it's not notion it doesn't exist it's the same thing it's like well it doesn't you know and and we have to almost kind of go back to pen and paper but yeah exactly so same it's definitely a, a scary thing you know um and I'm sorry, I didn't answer your question about training, uh, how we got this to happen. So one of the things about us as an agency is that we were very tech focused. We have engineering teams, you know, and we kind of tried the spider engineering throughout the organization. So before at String and Key, for example, when we were at Pixie, I was actually CTO. Um, so I come from a tech background. So when we moved over the notion, one of the first things we started diving into, and especially Make2, was diving into formulas, diving into how APIs work, you know, taking members of the team that weren't developers and teaching them essentially enough to, to be able to be dangerous enough where they could prototype mm-hmm. something in Notion quickly and make quickly, I'm sorry, make, um, and see if it worked, you know, and that might be something as simple as automating your calendar or tracking how much time meetings are taking on your calendar, um, which are all things that, you know, you can have a developer or someone that's a little bit stronger come in behind them and do a little polishing and now you got another tool. So Yeah. Incredible. So where are you guys at today? Like, can you share roughly how many customers you guys have um, as you scale or, or anything like that? Sure. So I, I can tell you, I can't tell you the exact number because to be honest, it's changing so frequently. I keep better track of it, but uh, it's definitely, we're in tens of thousands, you know, every month wow. that we're, we see people using our platform um, and that's scaling every day. You know, it's not a case where um, we're still trying to get off the ground kind of thing. We're definitely in market at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, I, you know, our concept is to basically keep you know, focus on the financial protection concept. So, um, so customer wise, what that allows us to do is as we've grown, you see, you know, on the other side of the house, besides internally, you start seeing little things um, improving. Like, for example, uh, we watch our analytics very closely. We know mm-hmm. what our direct audience is. We understand mm-hmm. how to get that audience, you know, and how, how do we how do we work with those elements? Um, and then the automation piece kind of layers in behind the scenes to make that a lot easier for people. So that sometimes is as simple as just having a dashboard that shows certain key data points. And sometimes it's things where it's like, hey, I want to move data from this system to this system quickly. How can I do it? Um, and we'll, you know, automate that for make. Um, and recently we've been doing a lot of work with notion and their new automation support with triggers, um, using mm-hmm. database triggers and their new formulas and stuff. Um, we've been able to do some really cool stuff with that and including things like process documentation that essentially as you check off the steps, it's telling you what the next step is, you know? And so, uh, so that's been stuff we wasn't available to us originally in notion. And it seems to be just getting better and better as we keep finding new things to build for things that we need. That's so cool. Yeah. Notion is like totally exploded on the scene because we were, we're Monday.com power users, but Notion, Mm -hmm. we are using it more and more and more and more because of like how you can Mm -hmm. manipulate it more than anything else. Yeah. It's the power of Notion that we saw because we actually were Monday.com users too um, for for a while. And, uh, you know, what made us made the shift was that Notion didn't have these great visuals that Monday.com has. I think Monday is gorgeous as a tool, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but uh, it, it definitely provides that underlying functionality that you can't get anywhere else, like relationships and uh, being the formulas, like I mentioned, but also just in in the way of organizing information. I think that's probably its biggest strength is that it's not just a company wiki like Confluence. You know, you can do that linking and make so many more powerful tools that, you know, people don't even realize they're Confluence, they're wiki pages. They think that, you know, it's, you know, they're using something custom. So, And people don't realize like the, with the dashboards you guys have built on data analytics, 
are not easy. Like to get clean data from all these different sources, from the tech mm. you build, the tool, the customers, like having mm. that is so invaluable. I'm sure it updates very frequently automatically, but a lot of companies mm. just have do not have eyes into that. I'm sure that was messy to build, but um, mm. I don't know if you can yeah. share anything about that, but that, that sounds really Yeah. You know, a lot of times people look at data and they think, well, it has to have fancy graphs and these, you know, huge yeah. systems and everything else. And it's like, no, sometimes you just need a couple numbers, you know, yeah. um, that tell you where you're at. And it's never a case where, um, like, we made the mistake initially where we were trying to chase, like, I would say, like, uh, I'll call it like pinpoint tracking of work. Like, we were trying yeah. to be like, all right, what did this team do today? And it's like, well, that breaks down because if that person enters their work late, you know, or something goes on or maybe that team had a slow day, it just throws everything off. So where we really kind of shine is we started upping our tolerances. We were like, all right, we don't really care so much about the tiny problems. We care about the big ones. Mm -hmm. So we want to see, um, you know, it's okay if our data is accurate to within a week, you know, across, across mm -hmm. the organization, we'll, we'll yeah. accept that because we care about missing the quarter, not about missing tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and if you start looking at that way and then, you know, it's that you trust the people that you put in charge. You know, we, yeah. each one of our functions, uh, 13 of them has a, as a head of a department head, basically, um, trust them to kind of, you know, run their teams well and, you know, raise up those like kind of like smaller items. Uh, we really just need to look at the big picture, you know, and see what's, what's going off there. And that's why we work quarterly in terms of our roadmap planning. Um, you know, we try to make sure that, uh, you know, we're documenting things well, but it's, it's not to a point where it's unmaintainable, right? You know, you can write all this great documentation, but if it's not maintained, it's garbage. It's worthless. Mm -hmm. So, um, and as things change, you know, the, the, the goal is to teach the team to essentially maintain their work or maintain their documentation, their tasks mm -hmm. and things like that as they go. So we've had good success now with that, but we definitely made that mistake of trying to go too precise in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, we're the same way. And then I realized there's really only a couple of metrics I care about. And then if I see a big metric slipping, then I'll go look under the hood and see who's not doing what on each day to day or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And then well, one question to ask is the best. If you can know what yeah. question to ask, everything else falls into place. Yeah, hundred so. percent. Mm -hmm. um, and then making things as easy as possible for people, um, like to do because it's always a battle. Like we create this whole new system, and then no one adopts it. And then, like you said, okay, what's like the best they can do, and how can we make mm -hmm. this super fast for them? Ideally, automated if possible. If not, just simple couple questions, mm -hmm. one question, whatever it is. So we're same way, same process here. Um, yeah, we tackle that by, um, we, we take the MVP attitude, right? So like, mm -hmm. like that minimum viable product, we're like, hey, it's better to get something in people's hands that covers a small part of the need and then iterate on it than to wait for the full-fledged version that you have in your head. So a lot of times when we're building a new tool internally, we're always like, is it good enough for people to use where they're not going to essentially get in trouble? Um, you know, is it going to help them? Is it is it going to uh, get to a point? Is it documented well enough where they can at least use this piece of it? And then as time goes on, um, we took on a, a release manager and a release management process as a company. And we treat Notion, uh, new features of Notion as releases. And uh, we we do updates and we basically we have a Slack channel for it. We post and we basically like, hey, in Notion this week, we we add these five features. And uh, it's not Notion features, it's our stuff. It's like we've updated our template basically to have these things. We add this automation or stuff like that. So, yeah. and that's really helped us a lot too. And then listen, one real quick question. Renewals are insurance are a big part of pretty much any tech company. Um, mm -hmm. Is that like automated on your guys' side when someone's, you know, term, you know, renews for the year, or maybe it goes up or down or whatever. How, how have you guys like systematized around that and helped reduce churn over time? 
Yeah, totally. No, it's a good question. So renewal wise, um, you know, our platform is fully compliant with that. You know, that that's one of the, I think, believe the state regulations we comply with is making sure renewals can occur. So mm -hmm. someone gets the end of their term policy, they can choose to renew. Um, we also support things like lapsing, you know, if someone, you know, can't pay for their policy and then needs to do a reinstatement, mm -hmm. all those standard insurance products, we built that into the platform um, because, you know, the entire digital experience we have, we, we built it from the ground up internally. So, um, so that entire, that customer facing experience side of it, uh, behind the scenes, there's an entire platform that's doing all those insurance things that in the past would have been a form that you send to somebody. Now it's more of just log in, you know. Um, and in terms of billing, uh, I believe most insurance companies, they might bill annually. We actually bill monthly. Mm -hmm. And we found that that's, uh, you know, a much better model um, for making sure that, uh, you know, it's it's not these big chunks every year. It's more of a, an incremental thing um, with your life insurance policy. So I like that a lot, too. Amazing. Well, any last things you want you want to share with people around like operations process system, or should we should we wrap up here? I would say uh, last point on is just two things that really helped us that we adopted is uh, this concept of, of progress is the goal, right? That's like mm -hmm. as an operations function currently, we we've been like, hey, just make progress. Don't try to don't focus so much on completing things. Just try to make them better, um, and then don't over engineer everything, uh, which is mm -hmm. very easy for for operations and project managers to do very quickly. Um, you start building racy charts and you start doing work breakdown structures. And before you know it, you spend a month doing paperwork um, when it's like, hey, the team just needs to get going. So um, so I would say those two things have really guided us a lot. And, um, you know, just be that constant learner, you know, always trying new things. I mean, we love Notion, but we're always looking for ways to get better. You know, um, what are other people doing in the industry? So. Yeah, it's incredible. There's this term in a lot of, process books called Kaizen, just continuous improvement. We try to preach the same thing. It's like, what what little things yeah. can you do to improve today? Simple, let's ship it as fast as possible. And then over time that compounds and all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're running extremely leanly and efficiently. Um, exactly. And so like, I love that automation. It's not like you build something and it works forever. I mean, you really need someone or a team to be monitoring it, looking for the new updates and constantly updating it to people's needs. And I think- mm -hmm you know, you guys are ahead of that with these feature updates and things like that. And I'm sure I already can get a picture of, of how you guys operate internally. So I'm definitely impressed by that. Great. Thanks, Nick. Awesome. Well, um, this has been amazing. Great podcast. I appreciate it, John. And everyone check out Wish if you're looking for term life or, or something of the sort. And um, appreciate your time. Great. Thanks, Nick. All right.